Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors of Strategy Page discuss current events with a splash of history. I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk. With me today is the editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author and game designer, Jim Dunnigan. Also joining us is the associate editor of Strategy Page, columnist and author, Austin Bay. Welcome, Austin and Jim. I thought it was time that we revisit Afghanistan. When we first entered Afghanistan um, 19 years ago, almost, well, I guess it's 18 years ago, uh, our, the thoughts were, you know, the American people wanted us to get in, get out, uh, everything would be good. But I know the administration at the time warned that this was a decades-long war uh, with uh, is, uh, Islamic radicals. Um, so the, the question, Jim, is we're still in Afghanistan. Are we going to be in Afghanistan like we are in Korea? Are, or are the Western nations going to pull back at some time? Uh, well, Korea is a different situation uh, because you're, you're dealing with a, uh, a dictatorship up north. Uh, Afghanistan is very different. Afghanistan uh, is only a problem to its neighbors normally. But once uh, during the, uh, the Russian invasion, I mean, it's all we can just blame it on the Russians. It is all the Russians. They destabilized the nation when they basically radicalized many members of the urban population uh, to believe that communism was the solution to all of Afghanistan's problems. At that point, the problems were the tribes had enormous influence and power. Uh, the ethnic uh, differences, the Pushtuns were the largest minority, 40%. They dominated the government. They had an informal agreement for two centuries where it was a kingdom and the king was a Pushtun, but his main job was to deal with the foreigners, keep them out. And that basically worked for a long time. But the communists said, no, uh, we want to bring, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, there was a coup, uh, which the Russians helped, you know, arrange and back, and it failed. The tribes rose up, and that was the start of the war. The Russians said, oh, no problem, we'll put this out. It was like Chernobyl, in a, in a sense. And... Uh, they went in there and they basically, you know, threw, uh, you know, water on a grease, uh, water on a grease fire. Uh, they eventually gave up, literally. Now, another myth about the Afghanistan war. The United States was not the one that was backing the rebels. The rebels were financed and and basically uh, uh, backed, you know, given bases and other support by Saudi Arabia with the money and Pakistan with the bases. This gave Pakistan an idea that, hey, you know, maybe we can use this Islamic terrorism to, uh, to gain greater control over Afghanistan and Pakistan. Because at that point, uh, even then, Pakistan, half the time since uh, it was created in the late 1940s, uh, was run by a military coup. You know, they took over for, you know, because of the corruption, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that was a mess uh, that we had nothing to do with. We basically did get out. Uh, what, I, what little we had in there, we were basically uh, supplying intel, uh, some specialist weapons like the Stinger anti-aircraft missiles, uh, and you know that was it. Uh, it was basically the Saudis who, who turned it into a, a holy war, a jihad, and the Pakistanis went along with it. 
So we were gone by the time the Pakistanis created the uh, Taliban and, and the, uh, in the uh, a few years after the, uh, the the Soviet Union collapsed and the uh, the Russian government, the, the communist government, or basically the Russian-backed government that had been left behind, uh, still had a lot of control because they were getting military and some financial support from Russia. That disappeared in 91. By 92, 93, uh, there is no more government. And the rebel factions, which did not include the Taliban, were fighting over who should control Kabul. Uh, Now, the United States had nothing to do with that. Uh, the Saudis, meanwhile, were still you know, basically uh, uh, building mosques and, and religious schools, which trained the students in, in an extreme form of Islam, which was somewhat alien uh, to Pakistan and Afghanistan. Um, and uh, the Pakistanis decided, well, hey, we can basically put our own faction in this civil war by, by taking these religious students, who are, a lot of them are now teenagers, or a lot were teenagers, young men, and arming them. And giving them all sorts of logistical support and sending them in. That worked, sort of. After a few years, the Taliban were the basically uh, controlled the most territory, but they never controlled the entire country. Uh, but what they did do to keep in business, as it were, is they needed cash. And the Pakistanis had pushed the drug business, the you know uh, cultivation of the hopium, out of Pakistan uh, uh, into Afghanistan. Uh, actually during the 80s, and feeling, that hey, you know, they'll produce drugs, they'll make some money, they'll corrupt the Russian troops, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that was fine with Pakistan because they were basically done with it. Um, and uh, uh, the Taliban realized, all right, you guys pay us a lot of money and we'll basically protect you. That's an arrangement that has never changed, you know, since the late 1990s, uh, just the amount. The Americans were not so much concerned about the heroin in uh, 2001, but about the terrorism. Uh, Al-Qaeda had set up headquarters and training bases in Afghanistan. The Taliban insisted they weren't there. Lie, lie, lie. That's what you do. It says so in the Quran. It's, it's, it, it's admired. It's basically you're encouraged to lie to the kufirs, you know, the non-Muslims, um, when they're on your case. Um, we went in, and the reason we won so quickly, it was like in a month the Taliban government was gone, was because they were still fighting their civil war. With this time, the, uh, uh, the, the main minorities in the north, the Northern Alliance, uh, they were doing well, but they weren't, you know, it wasn't, they weren't rolling over the enemy, and the Russians were supporting the Northern Alliance. Um, and we started doing so after that, and it was over real quick. But and then the Taliban collapsed, and they basically went into uh, seclusion for a while. But the drug gangs were still there, and they said, and they basically said, "Hey, why don't you guys try and come on back? You know, uh, same arrangement." And that's what's caused the you know the upsurge in the war. Now, if we leave, nothing will change except that the Taliban will be able to negotiate. Uh, the control of more territory will be able to basically strengthen the the power of the drug gangs and turn into a narco state. Uh, they will be able to allow, while denying, uh, bases for international terrorist groups. Uh, and there you'll have a situation that everybody will blame on us. Austin, your take. Uh, look, Jim's Jim's survey is is 
really useful because he's he set it up as a in a in a story form that everybody can understand at some level. Uh, and what I, what I, here's here's the strength of it: understand uh, the graft, corruption, and crookedness and crime that's embedded in it. Also, understand that there are multiple types of relationships. Some uh, get, get a wry smile. Some are just you know. Uh, are, are, are scary. And, and let me give you an example of one that's not not so scary, but it it it, it, it it's it's a deep um, relationship that explains some of the operation between Saudi Arabia and, and Pakistan. Uh, for years, uh, the Saudis uh, paid for anywhere from uh, a brigade to almost a division of Pakistanis to uh, add uh, defensive power, ground defensive power. To the defense of uh, of the kingdom, the King Khalid military city, which uh, is in uh, north uh, eastern uh, Saudi Arabia, at one time had a more or less permanent Pakistani brigade. And the deal was, is the Saudis would not only pay the the, the Pakistani army's uh, salaries for this elite unit, they would buy the modern weapons, and then if the Pakistanis needed that unit uh, back in Pakistan to confront the Indians, uh, the, they they'd pull it out. They it, they it was there as a as a deterrence force. That's not necessarily bad. And just just so you know, that relationship was first explained to me by a couple of Pakistani military officers who weren't lying to me. It's in our interest to do that, and it's in the Saudis' interest. Okay, there's a connection there. But you also see that they've got a, a cooperative military and intelligence uh, 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 relationship. That exists also, the United States at times with Pakistan, U.S. with, with Saudi Arabia, U.S. With, with, as Jim described, what was more or less a successful coalition relationship slash tribal government that the Afghanis, uh, Afghanistanis had prior to, uh, I'll say, 73, 74, when the Russian in, in, intrigue started. Now, remember, at this time, the Soviet Union seized the United States in the Vietnam melees. And remember, they're still Russians. And one of the things the Russians always sought, get ready, were warm water ports to the south, meaning a, a breakout into the Indian Ocean. And this goes back to Tsarist times. If it sounds like I'm telling you a historical story, well, I am, but it's still there. And here is this strategic vacuum in the West. The United States is, is, is losing the powers of you know, communism, you know, socialism, authoritarian socialism. We're, we're on the rise. And Afghanistan's there for the taking. And as Jim said, the, the, the Russians, oh, man, what arrogance. We'll take care of this. Now, here's something that also uh, a truly important background element to the chaos and complexity that Jim described. Look at the geography of Afghanistan, the geography and the demography. It really is a <laughs> it, it it's really a border drawn around a bunch of mountains, valleys, uh, deserts. Uh, tribes and diverse ethnic groups, also diverse uh, sectarian uh, uh, religious groups. You, you've really got four or five different shades of Sunni and Shia Islam uh, within those boundaries. You've also got some, 
Well, uh, how, how would I? Uh, I don't want to insult anybody, but let's call them some old believers. If you want to call them uh, pagans, animists, you have a, a, a few Christian Christian groups as well, even though they've largely in the last 40, 50 years been uh, either killed or are or, 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 or driven away. And that's something that is you can't be a geographic determinist. You you really can't because human beings are always going to find some way to make either something worse, either better or worse, this, whatever the geography. But when you have every little valley as a potential other world, you end up. And especially in a place like Afghanistan, but you see this reflected in the Balkans as well, uh, just as another. Uh, you also see this in a in a very faint uh, echo of it. But in, in some of the, the, the Appalachia of the United States in the late 19th and early 20th century, uh, in, the, in the, the as differences with what Dunnigan would talk about between the Hill Williams and Hillbillies. But uh, they're every every other county. In, in in some of these Appalachian places, it was like a, a a different a different duchy. Same thing applies, or same same general rule applies in Afghanistan. Now you add on top of that the fact that heroin poppies grow wild. <laughs> Twice I was in, I see, it was in Afghanistan in 2005, and then in 2007. Uh, I think it was the uh, yeah 2005 trip that I uh, got to go on a short patrol with a. Uh, about five or six hours with a, uh, a USMP unit with some Afghan uh, National Guardsmen and it stopped by a, a farm. You know, they went by this farm quite a bit. One of the farmers spoke a little English. Our Afghan in, uh, interpreter happened to be a, an American citizen, lived in the States 35 years, and now was back to because he wanted to be uh, help the U.S. effort in uh, Af- Afghanistan. And we go over there, and the fellow goes to the end of the of the row of this uh, grain, uh, this this plot that he had, and cuts a little ball on a poppy, and it outflows the white juice. And the, the farmer sits there and says, this grows wild. And everybody sits there and laughs. And the MP lieutenant tells me, he says, sir, anybody who doesn't know, nobody has to try to grow heroin poppies around here. They just grow. Okay, and we know that there's an insidious market for narcotics, opioids, and the like. And poor people, somebody's going to pay us for something that we don't even have to really have to cultivate. There it is. So you've got a mess here. Now, the threat to the United States, and this comes back to the question is, oh, let's get in, let's get out. You had a lot of people, and Dan, you brought this up early on. Good point. 2001, let's get in and let's get out. And I wrote a piece saying, yeah, we can raid and it's a rating psychology. You go in and you, you or write a rating strategy, operational rating strategy, and you you you, you strike when you can dis, uh, pinpoint them. Uh, Al Qaeda bases, uh, Al Qaeda personnel. We still do that with uh, using drone strikes and the like. But in an extended war, you need base areas where you can offer protection to. Uh, locals who don't want to work with the terrorists, locals who don't want to be in the uh, heroin business, and really that's that's the majority of uh, 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 of people in in Afghanistan. Locals who don't want to fight everybody else. And remember, uh, the Afghanis have had uh, uh, working tribal agreements 
for centuries. We don't kill the people next door because we're married to them. And and but it, it was the, the Russians upset that the uh, uh, jihadists uh, uh, not only exploited it, they also uh, disrupted it. Uh, extremist uh, uh, Islamists, not all of them militants, but certainly they have an extreme um, uh, extreme religious bent. Uh, they were there uh, prosel- uh, proselytizing. That added fuel to the uh, jo- uh, jo- uh, jihadist fire. Jim, uh, Jim talked about that. But that it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's disruptive. It's disruptive of the, of the way the tribes and uh, localities got along. And just now, I'll toss out one quick anecdote. I read, and this is in the – this is probably 2002 or 2003, an interview with a – uh, I forget where this fellow was, uh, the, the tribal leader, but he was, uh, he, he was an older man. And he says, you know, we were educating our daughters. And he mentioned his, uh, 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 two, uh, two of his own daughters. And like he said, we had a school here. And then Taliban shows up and says, we can't, you can't, can't teach your women. And he says, we, everybody needs to be able to read. And uh, all right, you can say, Telling anecdote? I thought so, because that was something. Wait a minute. We were doing this, and as Jim pointed out, there were plenty of people who were plenty of groups. There, there were Muslims, but they were uh, they weren't extremists. And they come in, and, and the, the Taliban said, "No, you got to women have to hide their uh, uh, their uh, uh, faces, and they can't read." And uh, that was, it was culturally and socially uh, disruptive. Uh, alienating and uh, what, what ten, tends to happen too is uh, have this described by by special forces officers who work with these groups is they they don't trust anybody they end up going into almost like a, a, a you know a little self protective we're going to live in, in this valley anybody who comes in we're going to shoot at we, we we don't care whether they're Americans we don't care whether they're a Taliban or, or or whatever we're totally suspicious because everybody wants to come in and take advantage of us. Now, the U.S. interest in this is stated by 9-11, is that we're not going to let jihadists uh, use the chaos of Afghanistan to, to launch attacks on the United States, U.S. assets, uh, U.S. allies. That means we're going to have to have some sort of presence. We know intelligence isn't perfect. We know we're not going to be able to find everybody and in order to get better intelligence, you have to have relationships with people who live there. Oh, no. We're back to something called long-term guard duty. I gave a speech about two months ago about my new book, uh, Cocktails from Hell. And a fellow who was a vet in the back <laughs> raises his hand and says, Mr. Bay, I did a tour in Afghanistan. And I think he said he did it f- 15 years ago. So it had been there 2003, 2004. Why are we still there? And he told me a little bit about his background. I said, okay, you pull guard duty. And he rolls his eyes and says, yes, sir, I have. I said, it's kind of boring. It can be dangerous, isn't it? Is it important? And he nods. He says, yeah, that's a good answer. Thanks. I pull that out because I think that uh, that kind of sums it up. Who the hell wants to pull guard duty in Afghanistan? Well, maybe somebody that wants to stop on an attack on Washington. And that's exactly right, because if we leave, uh, the first time there's an international attack in the United States or even in Europe, uh, track back to a group that is set up based in Afghanistan, 
what's going to happen. Jim, that's it. And this 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 fellow sitting back there, he's he sits there, and you know he want he he told me afterwards. He says, "Hey, Colonel Bay, I knew it was a tough question, but I wanted to ask him." I said, "Great answer." I, I I said, "I'm I'm glad you did, and I appreciate your response to it." He says, "Yeah, people don't want to hear that." Exactly, exactly. But they don't want to hear that there's another uh, terrorist group uh, uh, planning and carrying out attacks on the United States or the West from Afghanistan, because that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, the, the big problem with the negotiations now is to, for the Taliban to get us to leave without any assurances, you know, but, you know, any, any way to uh, basically assure that the Afghan, the, the Taliban will keep the work. The other thing you got to like, be concerned about is the Taliban never conquered the entire country. They have less support now than they did, you know, in, in the 1990s. Uh, so there's going to be another civil war. And where do you normally find uh, Islamic terrorist groups setting up bases? In the middle of civil wars. So one way or another, uh, we're screwed. Either guard duty or, you know, the basically less desirable alternative. Nobody wants to talk about it until it happens. Yeah, it'd just be uh, uh, Syria all over again. Exactly. Yeah. Deja vu all over again. Right. <laughs> yeah. the, I'm sorry. That's an evil laugh. But yeah. It's a, it's a laugh of disgust is what it is. And if uh, another attack happened out of Afghanistan, it would be viewed as letting Pearl Harbor happen twice. Yeah, putting the Japanese back in, back, leaving Japanese with their armed forces after World War right. II. Um, Jim, why is the United States and some of the other Western nations <clears throat> negotiating with the Taliban? Is there... Well, it's basically the United States because they, they basically it's it's a maneuvering thing. Uh, nobody's under any obligation. It's basically drawing out the the Taliban, making you know making them look bad. Each side is trying to make the other side look bad without risking anything. Uh, the uh, for example, we agreed not to allow the government of Afghanistan to participate in the talks. They can observe, but they can't participate uh, until some interim agreements are made. And uh, you know that's not happening. So it's all theater. Basically, that's it. It's theater. Uh, the art of the deal, so to speak. Uh, you know, the Taliban are being played, but they don't like being played. And also, one other, one last thing to point out is the other two major players in Afghanistan, aside from Russia, are Pakistan and Iran. They have always been the superpowers that whenever, I mean, another myth to, to, to bust again is Afghanistan has always been conquered. The reason it's never been a, a province of a, of a other empire is because there's no there there. It, there's no, it's expensive. Uh, but there are, at times in the past when the Silk Road was present, uh, Iran and India, or whatever, you know, northern Indian you know, principality, would take control of portions of that uh, uh, area, and they would basically push the, the push to tribes back and make deals and what have you. And, and the minute the Silk Road disappeared when the Western countries built ships that could more cheaply move stuff by water, uh, and the Silk Road was no longer lucrative, they they pulled out. There was no reason to stay there. There's never any reason to stay there. It's it's the, in the middle of nowhere. It's it's, it's the essence of, of you know the, the middle of nowhere. Uh, and uh, and that the, the Afghans can make something out of that, but nobody else can. Except now you have drug gangs, 
And that's – it's not the terrorists you have to worry about. It's the drug gangs, you know, a narco state. So, you know, leaving will not solve the problem. It will simply let it get a little more malignant. Uh, you know, as Austin points out, that's not the answer people want to hear, but, you know, that's yeah. the way it is. Austin, any parting comments? Yeah, yeah. I want to add some a positive thought on this. Afghanistan does have some uh, natural resources that have global utility. It's got a lot of uh, rare earths uh, uh, that are <laughs> known. I mean, there there were surveys from the 1950s. You can go back and 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 see that. Uh, not just the U.S., Europe, uh, but. Um, Surveys of of, of uh, uh, Afghan uh, na- uh, national resources, uh, natural resources. So it, there's it. It would be a. Uh, they have something to sell. They would be a, a, a. They'd have money if they had peace. But you can come back. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, peace and there's all these disruptive forces. And Jim just came back to the narcos. Uh, there's a big disruptive force and one that that preys upon social and and, and criminal. Uh, defects in uh, in the developed world. Uh, so it's it, Afghanistan's not as Jim said. You know, it's never been conquered, but it's never conquered itself. It's 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 an un, unfortunate um, kaleidoscope that that can't can't cohere. But it's not a that hasn't cohered and isn't going to cohere. But it's not, also not hopeless. Uh, it's uh, that, that's why it comes back the best. Uh, operation and strategical choice is some sort uh, of guard duty, and you just accept the fact that uh, the the violence is not going to totally disappear, and that there's always going to be some bad actor challenging you. Well, we'll leave it there, and uh, we'll talk to you gentlemen next time. Bye, Take guys. Care. Bye. Bye.